HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by 100 Bogart Street, the brand new co-working space in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Learn more at 100bogart.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Are you interested in getting a job in the wonderful world of food tech, but not sure how to get there? This episode of Tech Bites is for you. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners. It is time now for Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network where we talk about the influence of food and technology. Today we are broadcasting to listeners in 150 countries around the world, about a million listens a month, which I always find so exciting when I say that, and it's also slightly nerve-wracking. Because when we're sitting in the Heritage Radio Network studio shipping containers in the backyard of Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn, it's nice and cozy. And there's three of us today in the studio, plus Vitor, our engineer. And it it feels nice and cozy. It doesn't feel like 150 countries and a million listens a month, which is part of the fun of a podcast. Today's show is really um, one of my favorite kinds of shows. Um, It comes from a listener and hopefully will have some real-life application and advice. Um, We have with us today Julia Green, who is one of the cooks here at Roberta's, and she got in touch with us because she is very interested in the exciting new modern world of food tech and possibly working in food tech. But how do you make that jump from the kitchen to the food tech space? It's a query that I hear very, very often. I get a lot of emails um, and messages on social media of people offering to buy me a coffee, buy me a cocktail, sit down with me, pick my brain. Could I help you figure out how to break into the food tech world, start your startup, get a job, transfer from cooking to something else and 
all those wonderful types of things. And while I would love to sit down with you and have a coffee or a cocktail or go to your event, there are only so many hours of the day and it's hard to get to everybody. So Julia um, has been really wonderful in letting us all kind of listen into her conversation. And so in order to sort of help her unpack the idea of moving from a culinary job into the food tech space, we have joining us today, Zoe Mesereau, who is the chief of staff at Hungry Root, <coughs> HungryRoot.com, which is one of the exciting food tech companies. Conveniently, perfectly, coincidentally, she is hiring right now for about six different positions, ranging from recipe manager to vice president of customer experience. So we're going to have a great conversation between these two ladies. Um, we're going to talk about Julia and what she's done and what she wants to do. We're going to talk about Zoe and Hungry Root and what kind of skill set you need to have to work in the food tech space. Sometimes I don't even know myself. But before we get to that, we will do like we do at the beginning of every episode of Tech Bites. We talk about apps, favorite apps that have been living on our home screens for 10 years, something brand new we've just discovered. The only rule is that you're not allowed to talk about an app that you own, work on, or have invested in. <laughs> Zoe, do you have an app that you're particularly fond of right now? Yeah, so I recently started using Hopper. Uh, I'd, I love Hopper. Yeah, I've heard about it for a while, uh, kind of just recently downloaded it because there are a couple of trips I want to take and I'm not great about booking flights, so it's been, it's been great. I haven't booked anything yet, but I have a lot of alerts set. <laughs> so for those of you who may not be familiar with Hopper, Hopper is a free app that you download and you plug in a trip the dates of a trip that you want to take and it watches airfares for you. So if you want to go to Los Angeles on February 1st and come back on February 8th, you put those dates in, you put your airports in and it will start to watch flights for you. And it sends you alerts every few days mm -hmm. and it basically tells you when the airfare has hit its lowest price and when you should buy it. I've used it for a bunch of trips. Mm -hmm. And it works. It totally works. It's awesome. The only, the only caveat that I will throw out there is that it's pulling, um, it's reading and pulling the open feeds from the different airfare companies, from the different airlines. And there are a couple of airlines that don't have those feeds public. I think Delta is one of them. Interesting. So it's not going to include Delta in its survey. It does some sort of algorithm where it's also predictive where it knows what the ups and downs are in terms of the ticket prices and will make a very good educated guess that the price has dropped. I have found historically that most of the airfares rise and fall together. So if one of the airlines that you like to fly because of you know loyalty or airport, if you don't see it, you can always go and look at it because chances are it's probably dropped also. Huh. It's good mm -hmm. to know. Mm -hmm. But I've gotten some crazy, I have found some crazy, great deals. I think one of my best ones was $550 round trip to France. Wow. In December. <laughs> mm -hmm. Anyway, okay, Hopper. We love Hopper. 
Julia, do you have an app that you like right now? I have an app that I like right now. Let's see. Or the one you oh. use most every day? Mm. The one you can't live without? The one I can't live without. Um, right now, I've actually been very into using Duolingo because I'm taking my first big trip. Did not I have my tickets on Hopper, but going to Africa this summer, and so I've been trying very diligently to spend five <laughs> minutes on Swahili a day. Um, That's great. How's that been, coming so far? Um, I can maybe say a couple words, but, you know, slowly but surely. Duolingo is a <laughs> popular language app. Yeah. We've had it mentioned on the show a couple times, and it usually is people um, getting ready for trips. Yeah, it, It's been nice to have something that's less of a commitment than... Like buying Rosetta Stone or something like that that I can just do in small doses um, and sneak it in. Um, and I we try and make time in the kitchen if we can to play HQ. Also. Okay, okay, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. All right, Vitor, do you have an app that you like this week or one that you're using now? Yeah, uh, I actually found out that uh, Kindle uh, has an app or. I guess the Amazon Kindle, you can have your readings on your phone. And I didn't know that. So I have a Kindle at home, but then I now I have two. I have my phone, too, where you know, I can use it to read on the subway. Do you find that the screen on your phone is small, though? Yeah. I, too, have the Kindle app on my phone. I used to have a Kindle, but now I just have the Kindle app on the iPad because it's larger. I find the phone is almost too small to read. Yeah, it's not ideal, but um, it's nice to... I actually share the Kindle with my girlfriend, too. So, you know, the days that, I don't know, she has a long trip and she takes it with her, it's nice to have, a you know, my own little Kindle. And it works. Do you have the big phone or the small phone? Um, regular size? Regular size, yeah. Okay. Well, good to know. Late adapter, but <laughs> useful nonetheless. <laughs> So my app today is I'm looking to I'm always looking to be more efficient and do things uh, and sort of automate things that I have to do all the time. And one thing that takes a lot of time is scheduling meetings, scheduling meetings and phone calls and all of that type of stuff. So I'm always looking for a good meeting schedule app. I haven't really found one yet, so if there's anybody out there that's listening that has a good meeting scheduling app, that would be great. Most of the mm. apps that I found are mostly for, seem to be more for people who are service-oriented, where, you know, I'm a hairdresser and I'm going to set up a, a scheduling for my clients. This is more work for myself. But through my search and also through my time at Heritage Radio, there is a great app called Doodle. And it's not like a cheese doodle or a snack doodle. Um, doodle, like I guess a drawing doodle or something like that. But it's very useful if you're trying to schedule a meeting with a large number of people. So if you have maybe, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 people, even larger, and you want to, you know, pick one or two dates to get together and have a conference or a call or a meetup, it allows you to send something out and then everyone can pick the dates that, you know, are most available to them and you know coalesces it together in one place so that's extremely easy so that's great for large-scale functionality i'm still looking for the easy 
calendar app for when I need to schedule my pre-show phone calls with all my guests. <laughs> I've actually used Doodle for that same reason. It's sort of like a poll of when everyone's available. It works exactly. well for that. Describing it as a poll of when everyone's available is exactly what it is. I still haven't figured out the name yet, though, Doodle. I always get more excited when I hear it than it actually is, because I, I do think of, like, the cheese doodle snack. <laughs> and even though I haven't had a cheese doodle in a real long time and they're terrible, I have very fond memories of them. <laughs> so, we have Julia and Zoe here to talk about the food tech space. I think it's worth noting that, you know, the food tech space is something that's relatively new. And any new industry creates new jobs, and sometimes what the actual job is is brand new also to go along with that new technology. So that creates some uncertainty, curiosity, and confusion when people are looking to get into that space. The other thing that's worth noting is that with digital media and technology, there are job titles one of the ones that Zoe and I talked about when we were talking before the show, something like marketing. They're currently, um, Hungry Root is currently hiring for a director of brand marketing. And 15 years ago or 10 years ago, marketing could very well have meant, you know, partnerships with other country, with other companies and partnerships for events. And maybe marketing was partnering on a event and putting together a gift bag at the end to give to people or passing out, you know, samples of a product or coupons and, you know, person-to-person marketing. Today, director of marketing could mean absolutely none of those things and be entirely about analytical marketing in terms of Google word search and clicks and audience and you know functionality in a completely digital space seo optimization which didn't really exist you know 15 years ago so we have two things at work here we have entirely new industries and new jobs that didn't exist before and then we also have the evolution and the changing description of jobs that have been around for a long time but now actually mean something else and when you put all of those things together It can be a little bit daunting, I think, for people. But we read so much about food tech. We talk so much about food tech. It's exciting. It's new. Food tech is impacting our lives every day. We encounter it, you know, on our phones, in our... You order food online. You order food to deliver to you. You order it from your phone. There are new types of food products being created. And companies like Hungry Root. So I think there's, there's a lot of interest from the food community. So I think probably the best way to start this off is we'll have Julia talk about um, her you know, culinary background and then what is it that interests you just sort of generally top line about the food tech world. And you know, one of, I think, the really poignant questions that you articulated, which is something that I've heard over and over again, um, So many people have the same questions and and feel similarly. If I want to work in a food tech company, do I need to learn how to code? Which is something that you hear all the time. So, Julia, you're a cook. You make great food. But you want to move into the food tech sphere, potentially. Absolutely. 
so I am a cook uh, by trade and I've been cooking professionally now about six years or so in varying capacities. I've been at Roberta's here for nearly two years working in the back kitchen, which means I make everything that isn't pizza. Um, and prior to that, I was running a little brunch spot on the weekends only and running my own catering company, uh, catering for a variety of clients, including some corporate offices for lunch, uh, private clients at home, um, and also some uh, craft service type catering for small movie sets. Um, and my background is actually a little bit varied because I come from a design background. So, what kind of design do you mean? Do you mean art, drawing so, design? Do you mean so my master's industrial degree, design? So my master's degree is in industrial design. Um, master's degree. Yes. So that's your second degree. Correct. After the first degree. The first degree was in something a bit amorphous, which they called engineering psychology which was seated halfway between the Department of Psychology and the Department of Mechanical Engineering, was very much rooted in ergonomics and <coughs> usability and user-centered design. I did things like intern at the Department of Transportation Aviation Safety Division and um, did things like standardize the color blue for the railroad. Um, so That's fascinating. <laughs> pretty random and <laughs> far flung and from what we do here. Very far away from the delicious split pea with bacon soup that I had for lunch today that you probably had Excellent. a hand in. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's a good soup. Um, very different from that. But what I've but I've always been fascinated by food. So food has been something that's been important in my life since I was a child and now I'm going to get some raised eyebrows when I say this. I have celiac disease, and I know I cook in a pizza restaurant, so it's a little bit confusing for people that I spend all day making pasta and pizza and make fresh pasta every day, and I probably contaminate myself every day, but um, discovering that I couldn't eat gluten when I was 15 opened my eyes to the world of food and made me think about food as nourishment versus... Uh, food is something that might make me feel sick and uh, out of necessity more than anything else. In college, I taught myself how to cook and really fell in love with learning how to do that. And so through my own personal experience with wanting to nourish myself properly, it just became sort of stuck in the back of my brain that this is something I always wanted to focus on. So when I got to graduate school, even though... I went to school for product design because I always thought, oh, gee, this will be great. I can make tableware or ovens or something like that. I ended up doing my thesis on food as a tool for building communities and thinking about what does it mean to break bread with each other and how does that experience bring down some barriers and allow people to feel more vulnerable or more comfortable sharing or... Uh, you know, create a sense of intimacy. Um, and so, such an interesting, <laughs> such an interesting path. It sounds like the similarities are that you're studying. You you started studying things where you have a practical scientific background that then 
becomes the vehicle to articulate things that people use in real life in a more efficient or better way. And then you went from sort of mechanical inanimate objects to articulating food to be used in a better, more efficient way. Absolutely. And I think that one of my strong suits in the kitchen, and, uh, uh, but especially something that I learned here in working in the kitchen environment at Roberta's is constantly trying to be more efficient, uh, streamlining our process, being faster. If you know, you've never worked in a restaurant kitchen, you will not know that there is always room for efficiency. There, you can always be faster better, tighter, cleaner, tighter on your inventory, tighter on your space, fewer steps to the walk-in. It's never enough, which is amazing. And I think most restaurant kitchens, especially ones that are very busy like Roberta's, Mm -hmm. you're always sort of running right on the edge of just there, not quite catching up, not quite ahead. Yep, and I think finding that balance and almost playing a game of triage and reordering and reordering your uh your in real time in real time while the orders are coming mm -hmm, in trying to to sort and manage your time um is a really fascinating part of the process that translates from the kitchen to so many other things that people do that being said you know the fun part about cooking is providing that experience for people is providing the the intimacy and the special occasion and it's something that I loved about catering too. For me, my everyday job was to make fe- people feel special on a special day for them. And you know, sometimes it's easy to get bogged down in your day to day when you do it all the time, and then you interact with your client and say, "Oh no, this is a really important day for them." And my expertise and my ability to have done, you know, to do it almost by rote is such an asset to be able to say, you know, you don't need to worry about this. That's what I'm here for. Um, Well, it sounds like there's so (coughs) many great things about what you do, and you seem very passionate about what you do, that I'm surprised you would want to think about leaving it and going into the crazy world of food tech. So, there's many things that I love about what I do. That's absolutely true. I think the thing for me that's lacking is perhaps the iterative design thinking process of changing something minute over a period of time, even though that can maybe happen with a dish, um, that looking on building something that's more long-lasting and more uh, requires more long-range planning um, and has a more sort of intellectual pursuit in that sense is something that I'm craving. Uh, I think that there's a physical reality to that I'm in my mid-30s and there's only so much time I can spend on the line. I don't think that I'm going to be as fast as the 22-year-old kid anymore and the physically grueling part of the job uh, is getting to a point where I say, well, this is this can't be my long-term career. The sustainability. This How is, sustainable is it? Yeah. And even if you could be as fast as a 23-year-old, and don't underestimate yourself because sure. 
there's sheer speed and then there's also having that mental triage that informs sure. your speed. Sure. Sometimes people can be fast mm-hmm. but not good. Absolutely. <laughs> Being fast and good is important. Absolutely. There's also just the question of if you want to sustain it, do you want to right. sustain a really physically grueling, time-consuming job or do you want to move into something that has maybe more of a you know, work-life balance is something that we hear quite a bit. So you're looking for these additional things, and what is it about the food tech space that has has piqued your interest? I mean, again, I think I, I think it feels like a, a natural direction to move that might be able to meld my various backgrounds, where I can look at something with a foundation in design thinking, but also use my palate and my uh, sort of the human touch of the food industry to add my own, you know, personal point of view um, on something that that can be lasting and sustaining. Um, I, I, you know, the work-life balance obviously is something we all want, something we all seek. And, you know, in an entrepreneurial space, there's only limited amounts of that anyway. Um, but maybe you do at least get to be on a corporate calendar and not work every holiday or whatever. Well, there's that. Um, so what is it, what are the, the, you know, you've identified some characteristics and some things that you might be interested in and you think it might be a good fit. Do I need to code is, is a question that you articulated to me. Absolutely. What are some of the other sort of top line questions about working in the food tech space or even starting to look for work in the food tech space that come to mind? What are like the top, top three things, questions, uncertainties? Well, do I need to code as one? Do I need to code as one? Um, and I think relatedly, even just knowing what kinds of jobs are out there, because if it's not a coding job, maybe it's a marketing job, but the marketing jobs feel so removed from my background um, and maybe not the right personality fit Um, that the big question is sort of what's out there for someone who has a culinary experience who wants to maybe use some of those skills those skills being efficiency workflow logistics but also recipe development or or maybe creating something that seems nutritionally sound or working within a budget or working on a supply chain um, and thinking about sourcing and responsibility when it comes to that. Just something that I think we really excel at here at Roberta's. Um, that's so what are, us, what, are the, what are the possibilities, what are the options, and then I'll tack one on and say probably where, and where do you go to find them? Uh, yeah. So now let's turn to Zoe, who, again, is the chief of staff at Hungry Root, HungryRoot.com. Zoe, I'll let you give folks a a quick description of what Hungry Root is. I definitely put them in the food tech space. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, So Hungry Root is a brand of healthy, convenient food. Um, So we create packaged foods that are convenient but are also indulgent uh, and at the same time healthy and we deliver them directly to consumers doorsteps um, and really our mission what we're doing is trying to make it just easy for people to eat healthy and to feel good 
So are these um, components where people would get the ingredients and then cook them themselves? Are these dishes that are fully prepared that then just get reheated or consumed? Or what's the, what's the state of arrival? Yeah, so our products are either ready to eat when you get them or they're ready in under 10 minutes. So that could be making a sweet potato mac and cheese from a cashew cheddar and a bag of sweet potato mac that takes you like seven minutes to whip up on the stovetop. So it's um, it's also worth noting that everything is vegan, vegan gluten-free, mm-hmm. and those are the top lines. Mm-hmm. And how long has the company been in business? Almost three years. Almost three years. And your product is sold entirely through yeah, we're online sold portal? Entirely online. I'm going to be shipped directly uh, to our customers. So you're a part of the... Um, meal kit food delivery trend that we've seen over the past few years you're grouped into um, even though you're not complete cooking from end to end you're grouped into the category of food tech companies like plated and blue apron and purple carrot and in some ways definitely um that it's a subscription the customers are getting delivered to them (coughs) we think of ourselves as very different in that we are focusing more on providing a alternative that's convenient uh, and healthy. Okay. So, and the tech piece, if you were to articulate why you're a tech company with, I mean, we know why you're a food company because you're selling people food, but is the tech component simply because of the online ordering facility? I think it's because of the direct relationship that that enables with our customers and what that relationship allows us to do, whether that's understanding what customers like, what they don't like, uh, how they behave. So using the analytics from the consumer relationship to then drive what you make and what you do and how you serve your customers better. Yeah, exactly. You're also a company that has come through the... Uh, tech startup model, I would say. Mm-hmm. You had founders and they had an idea and they pitched the idea and you have venture funding and mm-hmm. you're sort of growing and expanding along the storyline of a, of a tech startup, mm-hmm. which I think is also important because it's a very specific way of viewing how a business is run and viewing how a business will develop and sort of planning the different stages of life, um, which is very different from how a brick-and-mortar restaurant is founded and started. We did a show a couple episodes back with a venture fund group that um, talked about the different ways that a restaurant and a, and a startup kind of just even frame their business plans to get to different stages. So it's, it's worth noting, I think, that um, startup businesses, food tech businesses, start up in a very specific way with a path to development and growth. And part of that path is hiring and staffing Mm-hmm. different people along the way to take you to the next stages of growth, which is where you are now. You are, so part of how I discovered um, Hungry Root would be a great candidate for this show is that there are currently six different jobs on LinkedIn right now that you're hiring. Yeah, and we actually uh, have some more on our website too. Oh my goodness, yeah. how many on the website? It's about 10 to 15. 
10 to 15. And how many employees do you have right now? We're 15 right now. So you're going to hire 15 and you have 15. Mm -hmm. You're about to grow by 100%. Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. It's an exciting time. You must be extremely busy, though, also as the chief of staff. Yes, uh, but busy in kind of the best way. It's my favorite time at the company. So, And you are hiring a really diverse portfolio of positions you have a recipe manager which is a Mm part-time position all the way up to vice president of customer experience you have a director of brand marketing social media manager supply chain manager Um, how do you manage such a diverse pool to hire from I mean that's a very wide group of people yeah um, so that's part of why we only posted six on LinkedIn (laughs) so we can focus on kind of one chunk at a time. Um, I think one thing that (coughs) makes it easier at Hungry Root is that uh, we hear a lot from customers and people who have read about the brand and are really excited about it. (coughs) Um, We get a lot of candidates that way. Uh, And for us, that means a lot um, and sticks out and kind of makes the process easier that's pretty amazing if you have people who are already interested in the product want to come work for you i think that's a testament to being great and connecting with a a group of people i don't think people would want to go work at something that they didn't love so well we are going to take a quick break stay with us One Hundred Bogart Street is finally open and ready for Bushwick. One Hundred Bogart is a brand new, state-of-the-art co-working space that provides turnkey workspaces, including open layout desks, meeting spaces, and furnished private offices. Members have access to top-notch amenities such as custom furniture, high-speed internet, spacious kitchenettes with coffee and tea, printers, scanners, and much more. Alongside their professional work environment. 100 Bogart also provides exclusive educational programming for any curious entrepreneur. Heritage Radio Network has made their new office home at 100 Bogart and will host many events there in the future. For more information about their co-working space, visit 100bogart.com and become a member to network, create, and educate. So I'll I'll say to you, having listened to, um, you know, Julia talking about how one would discover or start to follow up on the idea of working at a food tech company, you're hiring for all these different jobs. Um, Are these jobs that you are looking for really a very specific list of qualifications and credentials? If Julia went to the website and looked at what the... You know, if she didn't have every single qualification, should she not submit her resume? Would you encourage her to submit her resume? Yeah, so I would say for some roles, and it it varies, of course, there are technical um, things that we're looking for. um, But it's definitely not a hard and fast list of if you don't check every box, you're not going to be considered for the role. I think there are a lot of things outside of that that matter um and one of those is just an interest and um 
showing a um, a really genuine interest and understanding of for us what we're doing and why uh, the mission is important and uh, why you care about it. So I think even if even if we didn't have any roles posted and someone sent a thoughtful note expressing that um, we keep those and we look back on them later when we are trying to fill roles. So it it goes a long way. So, Julia, if you were looking at the Hungry Root website, and I'll read, yes. I'll read everything that's available in New York City, <laughs> and then see if any of these you think like you might be interested in them, and then we'll read what the descriptions are. Great. So digital growth is one category. Vice President of Digital Growth, Director of Digital Product, Digital Product Coordinator, Director of Performance Marketing. I'm not certain I even know what any of those mean. I'm with you there, sister. <laughs> Customer Experience, Vice President of Customer Experience, Director of Design, Recipe Manager, part-time, Customer Service Specialist, full-time, Customer Service Specialist, part-time. I think recipe manager is the thing that feels like the most natural fit. But you have degrees in design. And well, and then design, you know, director of design seems but maybe a, a step above where I feel comfortable applying myself, but it, it's know. certainly Let's, open. I We'll, we'll to, go back and we'll yeah, read the description. The description, you know, depending on um, brand marketing, director of brand marketing, social media manager, technology software engineer. Operations Supply Chain Manager, and People, Director of People. So you thought, um, so the first one is Recipe Manager, part-time. Let's see what that one says. So <clears throat> about the opportunity, we're looking for a creative, pragmatic, and food-obsessed recipe manager to lead our recipe testing and refinement process. Reporting to our Vice President of Customer Experience, you will evaluate our current product line, close to 100 unique items and combinations, wow. provide creative culinary solutions, and work cross-functionality to identify new product opportunities. Food is at the center of the Hungry Root customer journey, and you will play a critical role in ensuring we consistently, consistently delight our customers. Hungry Root is a new type of food company, and you will need to be flexible and able to think outside the box in this role. This is an ideal position for someone with recipe development and testing experience who has a track record as a dedicated, proactive, and positive team player, a passion for health, wellness, and craveable food, and is ready for their next challenge. This kind of sounds like you. That sounds great. That sounds like a great job. So responsibilities... <laughs> Include, but are not limited to, testing and evaluating our current product line, provide recommendations related to cooking instructions, ingredients to add, and product pairings, conceive, test, and present for feedback new product combinations and ideas, identify new product opportunities, test, test, and test again to ensure the highest possible customer satisfaction, understand and work within business parameters, analyze and take on broad feedback from both internal and external testers, maintain an up-to-date knowledge of food trends, play a critical role in the continual improvement of our creative quality, thinking, and capabilities, champion innovation across the organization. Sounds ideal. Okay. 
Let's move on to requirements. Sure. <clears throat> Minimum two years experience in recipe development. Obsessed with food. Creative yet pragmatic when it comes to creating new products and recipes within an established framework with certain limitations. Proactive, ambitious, and assertive. You take ownership of your work and think beyond the scope of a given assignment. Organized, make things happen, creative at solving problems, and relentless until the desired outcome is achieved. Excited to work in a fast-paced environment with constant change and limited direction. A motivated, positive, proactive, and transparent attitude. Passion for healthy living, brightening people's days, and Hungry Roots mission. Um, based at our Manhattan office, south of Union Square, reports to vice president of customer experience, competitive compensation, part-time role with opportunity to be full-time, a working environment filled with passionate, happy, smart people. Sounds great. Yeah. So that sounds Doesn't like it? you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the recipe testing is where I feel trepidatious because while I've done some of that, I've written recipes for other restaurants in the past and run my own business where I've had all of my own recipes. Um, it's not something that I've done as much in my role here at Roberto's. Um, that being said, I think that it is nice to think of food as a product that, de- that gets designed and that with a foundation in understanding nutritional needs and um, my catering was always very much geared towards people with specific dietary restrictions um, because that's my own personal niche um, that it, it's nice to think about it's nice to think about food um, as something that you can examine in, in a creative way and, and really take you know step by step and say well how is this um, good but how can I tweak it just this tiny bit and make it a little bit that much better so um, you think it sounds interesting you mm-hmm. think some of these are things appeal to you um, and Julia actually brought her resume with her, so okay. Julia, I'll ask you to hand it over to Zoe. Sure. Now, Zoe, based on <laughs> based on what oh boy. what we know about Julia <laughs> and her resume, is this is she a, a potential candidate for this position? Is she too senior for a position like this? She has more than two years' experience in recipe development and several degrees, so I'm not quite sure. Um, I definitely think. I have no idea. So if she, her resume came across your desk for this position, what would your take on it be? And also verbally what she's articulated. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Let's, um, let's pretend you gleaned all that from the Google search and the social mm-hmm. media, which I'm sure you do, mm-hmm. right? Do you Google people mm-hmm. and look at their social media? Yes. Do you sometimes see things that make you not call them? And conversely, do you see things sometimes that make people better candidates? Um, I think for some roles, yeah, of course. Uh, one, the woman on our team who does our content has an amazing uh, Instagram page where that, of course, um, was important. Um, I think, so it's interesting you ask about, is she too qualified? She has a master's degree, yeah. so, I mean, that to me has a... has goes heavy in the qualifications Mm -hmm. I think that would cross my mind um but not necessarily as a negative it more depends on what you want to do and how you want to spend your time um and the obviously you know how to cook (laughs) um I think 
we would, if having known nothing and just reading your resume and hearing your story, we would want to have a conversation with you for the role. Um, if it was, was something that you were interested in. Uh, a big part of it is like, if we feel like the candidate is general, genuinely um, excited about the role in the company, that honestly plays a huge part. And that's something we see in like, what does the email they send us look like? How do they speak about the role? One of the things that Zoe and I spoke about before the show, which I thought was very interesting and very critical piece, is that for a company um, that is built so strongly on a point of view mm -hmm. and a belief in the product and the potential for the product to make a positive impact in, in people's lives and beyond, um, that rates very heavily in the job application process, mm -hmm. you indicated that almost an alignment with the philosophy of Hungry Root was almost more important than a specific skill set. Yeah, it's kind of across all roles. We see that as very important. Um, and a big part of that is because we are so close to our customer and selling directly to them and we have this really like close relationship with them, we think that uh, having an internal culture where the entire team is excited about and passionate about the mission ends up touching the customer in one way or another. Um, and that can be really positive. Were there any questions you would want to ask her in the hypothetical scenario? <laughs> hmm. Well, I think... Um, it would be interesting to hear more about how you want your time spent as a chef to uh, how big of a part you, of you want that to be in your next role. Like whether you want to continue to spend a lot of your time cooking or maybe it's just more important to work for a company where you can your experience in that can allow you to contribute in different ways, but it's not necessarily how you spend your time. I think that's an interesting question uh, that maybe I also need to ask myself, but fundamentally I love cooking. When I wasn't cooking professionally, I was cooking elaborate meals for myself three hours a day and having people over for dinner and even in college, you know, try, I was the weird kid trying to, like, have a dinner party in my dorm room, you know. <laughs> um, I think for me, cooking is a meditation. And um, I, again, uh, cooking or food for me is so much about um, this nourishment from eating healthful foods and, and how that's affected my life, not only from celiac, but also from being fairly depressed in my 20s and finding that oh gee maybe subsisting off of quesadillas is not the right answer and if I ate some broccoli I'd feel a little better mm -hmm. um that I think I I definitely feel like whatever role I take um one is something that needs to be sort of in line with the idea of food as nourishment mm -hmm. and that that's a a main priority and as, as well as food as a as a tool for uh, bringing people together you know food makes friends right that's the that's the tagline so um but 
I was excited to be able to talk to you today when I saw that that's who I was talking to because I am really interested in, in what you guys do with your products because it is so much in line with the kind of food that I like to cook for myself. Mm-hmm. I've never ordered from any subscription-based meal delivery system. I, I guess I was assumed as someone who cooks professionally that's not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, I am sick of eat, ordering Seamless every night and having something that takes less than 10 minutes to throw together would be maybe a nice You're option. actually potentially the perfect target <laughs> audience because you have no time to cook and shop when you're not at work. Right. I was it's just, just say It's that. just incidental that your work happens to be making food. Right. The kind of thread among all of our customers is that they're just really busy. Yeah. You should also listen to the Art Delivery Services Bad for Restaurants episode of Tech Bites. <laughs> and that may or may not change how you feel about using Seamless. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to give away any spoilers. But well, I, <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just throw that out there that it might be a good one for you to listen to. Absolutely. I don't... I don't think it's done anything great for the industry, my person. But I'll I'll listen. I'm sure there's lots of experts who have a lot to say on it. So we are actually coming up to being out of time. Um, before we we leave, Julia and Zoe, um, Julia, has this been helpful in clarifying a little bit some of the uh, questions or things you've been curious about in the food tech space? I think it's a great start, and I think more than anything hearing from you that in your small company, the thing you're looking for most is someone who's really passionate about the product and really wants to get behind that, even if the skills aren't exactly lined up, that um, perhaps my background as a generalist maybe can fit me into some kind of category that's not precisely what I've been doing before, but um, I feel more confident in exploring my options at this point, I think. Uh, So that's great. Zoe, for you, um, what advice would you give to people who are looking to maybe transition from a traditional food, culinary, restaurant job into the food tech space? Where where are you posting job listings? How do people find the jobs? And, mm-hmm. and how would you um, advise them to make the best showing when applying? Yeah. So I think it can be really overwhelming because there are jobs everywhere. Um, we'll post on LinkedIn or AngelList or kind of the two where uh, we find the most candidates. But uh, a, a good way of starting, I think, is to search for companies that people are, that you're really excited about. Um, that, I think, is uh, kind of allows you to start without being overwhelmed by all the options everywhere um, to just find companies that you love. And um, I think in reaching out to those companies, expressing that is really powerful um, and the right company will appreciate that um, and, and want to talk to you. So that old adage of do what you love and you won't feel like your job is work. Mm -hmm. The advice of starting your job search by searching for the companies and the things that you already do love Mm -hmm. versus what most people do, which is searching for job openings Mm -hmm. at any random company. Mm -hmm. Um, that's an interesting that's an interesting and a very good piece of advice to start your job search process from a different endpoint. Mm-hmm. 
I want to thank Julia Green for the great idea for this episode and getting in touch and being um, generous and and confident enough to share her personal story with us so that hopefully this resonates with so many of you listeners who have reached out about the same topic and the same question. From now on, when people ask for that advice, I will point them to this episode. Zoe, I want to thank you for coming on and sharing some of the internal workings of Hungry Root. If you are out there listening and you are interested in either applying for a job or sampling their product to see if you're passionate about it, you can find them online, HungryRoot.com. On social media, they are at HungryRoot. Um, if you're interested in Julia Green, she is on LinkedIn. She is lead line cook at Roberta's. If you are interested in... And on in Instagram at Jump Kitchen. There you go. But it's mostly pictures of my cat. <laughs> if you are interested in a food tech experience in real life, there are some great events coming up. Food Bites San Francisco is happening on March 1st. If you want to learn a little bit more about Food Bites, we did a great episode on the New York edition back on episode number 102. You can see the San Francisco lineup for their pitch off and their program at foodbitesworld.com. That's B-Y-T-E-S, Food Bites. Also, my fellow Heritage Radio Network hosts, the lovely ladies of Recommended Reading with Food Book Fair, which is every Tuesday at 2 p.m. You know, the Food Book Fair started as a real-life thing. It's a real-life Food Book Fair. It started in New York. They are moving to L.A. March 2nd to the 4th will be the first West Coast Food Book Fair. So go to foodbookfair.com, check them out if you're West Coast. Maybe uh, see how the first event goes. And if you want to get them on the go, check into their podcast every Tuesday. If you want to get in touch with us at Heritage Radio Network, we're Tech Bytes at heritageradionetwork.org. We are on social media at Tech Bytes HRN. We are a .org because we are a 501c3 nonprofit. That means we subsist entirely on the generosity of our listeners, members, and underwriters. If you like the show, come back and listen next Thursday at 11. If you love the show, go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review. If you cannot live without it, go to heritageradionetwork.org, click the beating heart, and, you know, maybe send us what you spent on pizza this week. It will help us keep the lights on and the mics hot. And if you designate your donation to Tech Bites, I will send you a gift and my undying love. I'm Jennifer Leitze, and this is Tech Bites. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.